0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of Travelpulse.com. Today is Tuesday, July twenty sixth. Happy Travel Tuesday out there, folks. We've got a great episode lined up today because joining me on the show now is a special guest. You may know him from 13 seasons of Bizarre Foods on the Travel Channel. Now he's a bit all over the place with family dinner on the Magnolia Network, Wild Game Kitchen on the Outdoor Channel, and also judging the best culinary talent on Iron Chef, Quest for an Iron Legend on Netflix. Andrew Zimmern, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: I am doing great. How are you?
0: I'm well, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to to talk some travel and some, some food and travel as well. Appreciate it.
1: My it's- pleasure.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we are going to dive right in. Andrew and I are going to discuss the wonderful world of food and travel a little bit later in the show. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the big news last week being on the cruise industry side of things. As the CDC eliminated its COVID nineteen program for cruise ships, following that—that that was last Monday, like a few hours right after I released the podcast. As news never stops in the world yeah. here, um, so following that though, the new uh, the CDC followed up with uh, cruise ship COVID safety recommendations. They're not requirements, but they are strongly encouraging, encouraging you know, still doing the pre testing before you board. But in eliminating that program and its requirements, multiple cruise lines dropped pre boarding rules. Margaritaville at Sea, Virgin Voyages, and Azamara became the latest brands to eliminate pre-cruise testing for passengers, and the Cruise Lines International Association welcomed the news, saying, quote, it's a testament to the effectiveness of the industry's comprehensive and robust protocols. In fact, cruising has become one of the safest forms of travel and among the most successful industries in mitigating the spread and severity of COVID-19, resulting in few passengers or crew becoming seriously ill or requiring hospitalization, compared to hospital statistics, for landside patients, end quote. So several travel advisors I spoke to it last week were very thrilled about this news as well. They feel that this will no doubt lead to more bookings and the cruise lines are taking their next step to their new normal and their uh, path to recovery. So Andrew, what are your, your thoughts on this? Where do you stand in the whole cruise side of things?
1: Well, I <laughs> I, I, I think we're, the, the industries are getting that over their skis a little bit. Um, it, uh, obviously, the the travel agents and bookers are really excited because more people will book cruises. Uh, cruises tend to be, uh, at a lower price point with more available options, uh, for seeing the world while spending less, uh, and with, uh, inflation up at, uh, you know, generational, uh, highs. Um, I think that they're very excited about that. Um, (laughs) I think one of the interesting things in the press release from the, the cruise industries that you read was that they were extremely successful uh, over, let's just say the last 12 month period at mitigating issues at sea because of all the protocols that they were taking. Um, so I still think if you're going to be aboard a, a vessel with 2000 other people or 1500 other people or 200 other people, uh, we need to be testing and and entering safely. Uh, rather than leaving it up to other people, I've had, and this is just an- anecdotal, I've had uh, nine friends in the last two weeks uh, get COVID, every single one of them uh, after returning from a group event um, that was not as, I mean, look, you, you know, nice weather, you're sitting above deck uh, or on deck, rather. Uh, we know transmission levels uh, are low. Um, but you know, inside dining, etc. I I just think we're we're asking for for trouble. We're seeing in many states COVID numbers on the rise. Now the the flip side of that is there are lots of people out there, and I, I think rightfully so, uh, stressing a different set of numbers that I believe to be true. That says we're all going to be getting this like the common cold. We are going to be getting a yearly booster. We are going to be you know that you know the sooner you get this the better however for young people those who are immunocompromised with or with uh you know uh, comorbidity issues i think it's dangerous and i i sure wish we were doing this three four five months from now when we actually had a little bit more uh data under our belts but it is what it is right i would encourage everybody to test and you know do what they can uh to stay safe
0: I agree. Yeah. We actually just posted a story earlier this morning about well, from one of my writers who did an Alaska cruise about a week and a half ago and she caught COVID on that cruise experience and outlined, you know, everything that she had to go through. And she was, you know, very appreciative of the cruise line. It was Norwegian that handled everything and how they responded to stuff and she had to yep. quarantine and all that. So it's it's gonna happen, yeah. And like you said, like you know, it's sort of kind of have to live with COVID right now and it's gonna yeah. become common and we're just gonna have to deal with it. So
1: and you can't blame the the the, the cruise line necessarily uh despite your friends contracting uh on board because you can get it in a concert venue that's indoors uh you could get it at a trade show or other similar function i'm i'm really i'm I'm not trying to to poke a finger at the cruise industry i would like anywhere where people are gathering where a lot of time is spent indoors i think we need to be slowing our roll
0: Agreed. Yeah, I'm actually got a trade show later this week. So I've got to test beforehand. It's not required to everyone needs to be vaccinated beforehand as that's the rule that, you know, is set before but, you know, sure. definitely, you know, be be cautious and everything you got to assess your risk level out there and what you feel comfortable with. And, you know, for cruising, a lot of people kind of shy away from from cruising or have so in the last year since they returned a year ago, because of everything and all the different rules in place. And, you know, dropping this, we'll see more bookings, but we'd also see more COVID cases on board, because that's where we're at. In the state of I think,
1: I think the more fascinating topic uh with cruising is is really going to be the the uh impact of the the rampant inflation and the oncoming recession uh that I, I believe is is inevitable uh based on everything that's gone on in the last two years uh when when I look at at the at, at the marketplace it's like what is and this is going to be a gut punch for the travel and dining industry at large, because this is where, uh, you know, uh, Americans don't buy cars every year. They don't buy houses every year. And we keep talking about those two industries uh, a lot when it comes to uh, recession, when it comes to inflation, because it's a very easy place to get a lot of data. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to discretionary spending, meals out, uh, travel, uh, are some of the big two to be impacted. And those were uh, two of the largest industries um, to uh, to suffer immensely uh, during the uh, primary first two years of the uh, COVID crisis.
0: Yeah. And we are seeing a bit of a shift in the American traveler's mindset too, as that kind of segues us into the other trending news from the last week of new data provided uh, from Allianz Partners USA's Annual vacation confidence. They showed that Americans are prioritizing travel more and using more vacation days this year, which is obviously great for the industry. We've got fifty-seven percent of Americans said that they have taken a vacation of at least a week of hundred miles or more away from the last year, uh, which is an increase of forty-four percent from last year in Allianz's survey numbers. Which uh, you know, not a lot of people were traveling due to mm-hmm. the current state of the world last year, and obviously even worse in twenty twenty. But you know, a key one here was that seventy-four percent of Americans consider a vacation important which if you look at their numbers from 2019 it was only 60%. So a higher, you know, increase there of people prioritizing travel and trying to make it more meaningful and scheduling things, but in that same survey they also showed a rise in microcations, which is a leisure trip that is 100 miles or more away from home and four nights or fewer. So 53% of travelers surveyed said that they plan to make their next vacation a microcation. So is is the week-long vacation dying? I mean, it's great that more people are using their vacation days. But Andrew, do you think that the microcation will remain a strong part of consumer vacation planning even after we get past today's state of inflation and the
1: worries of COVID? Short answer, yes, but boy do I wish I I had been in that room to ask a follow-up question to those 70-some odd percent of people who said that it's important to take a vacation. Um, look, one of the things that has been extremely beneficial over the last decade is that we're all learning about the value of self-care. We're all learning about the value of stepping away from what, uh, what you know increases cortisol, and stepping towards what what increases serotonin. Right. So, away from the stress of work and the daily grind, and towards a uh, a more regular way of uh, refreshing ourselves and and gaining uh, some happiness perspective and slowing down. So, does that mean that you know more long weekends, four day? microcations as, as they're referred to in some circles. Absolutely, uh, I think it's extremely vital. I'd rather see people, uh, you know, when when folks come to me and say, hey, I'm on a budget, you know, how long should I be saving for the big vacation? I'm like, don't save for the big vacation. Take smaller vacation. don't wait. Don't become miserable over the next couple of years. Get out and see uh, the world. Even if that means you know driving 100 miles to the state next door or to another city where you live uh, and spending some some time discovering what that place is all about. You know, culture can be right on the other side of your town. Um, I've taken one day vacations uh, with family members that's included in overnight uh, just by going to the other side of the Mississippi River, um, into Wisconsin and that's all of about 35 miles, I think. Um, I mean, it's a blast uh, and you really do feel like you, you've gotten away and you get to walk different streets and smell different smells and taste different tastes. So I, I think microcations are here to stay because I think that uh, we're going to have a rugged uh, economic uh, situation that we're all facing in the next couple of years. People are tightening their belts. And I think very naturally, Uh, We are still drawn to what we've learned for the last decade, which is that we need that time away. So I think micro locations and look, we're seeing it when you look at hotel numbers, what's being built and uh, domestically here in the United States. Um, And sure, we're seeing huge numbers in New York and, you know, they they feel that business travel is back. I think there's 56 hotel projects right now. I just read the other day that are uh, underway in New York City. And that we are, uh, you know, just a few percentage points away in uh, our big three or four cities uh, nationally from pre-COVID levels in terms of uh, hotels and hotel activity. Uh, And that's great. Uh, But I really want to see numbers from smaller towns and smaller cities. And uh, that, that will really be the big indicator uh, for me. Um, and I'm hoping that microcations make up, uh, for the, uh, the rest of the loss to the travel industry, which is inevitable over the next two years.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Don't sleep on those small cities, folks. They are a lot to discover as well. And I agree. I think the microcation will, will be strong, but you know, it's interesting too. I talked to a lot of travel advisors and they, they are seeing longer trips too. And like two week trips at a time, sometimes even a month for some people. And I think that's because of the, you know, pent up demand. You couldn't go anywhere for a while. And I don't know that that'll yep. really stay, but I love a good microcation, a little, a long weekend getaway, especially when it's not attached to like a holiday weekend, just a random, you know, uh, well, it's, August it's funny. You know? I mean,
1: you know, obviously, we you know, we I talk to a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people. Where the data is coming from, uh, and I'm talking about calendar-wise, is really, really important for people who are, you know, poking around on the internet uh, for information or like to, you know, have a hot stove league for this kind of information. You know, three months ago, uh, I still had friends uh, saying, yeah, we're going to go, you know, on the three-week jaunt to Italy in September. And now I have friends saying, boy, I'm glad... I got the trip insurance. I got this. We're we're pivoting. We're not going to we're not going to dump the 30 grand on the family of four going away for 3 weeks. Um international travel is expensive. Um and uh prices are up in the hotel sector and in the restaurant sector. Uh it, inflation means our dollars are buying less. Um and I think that, you know, it, it, we really do have Four or five different americas when it comes to travel right there's the business travel uh which you know will uh, eventually be affected but you don't see a lot of net net effect right now uh there's the one percenters still traveling still making plans uh it, it it they're still gonna go uh to italy in september uh they're not canceling uh that trip um, and then I think the other three sectors of uh what I call the the you know our, our the social fabric of our country um are absolutely canceling stalling, stopping, you know not going um it, it is uh it is going to be really interesting to see what happens uh when we look back three six months from now at the data uh, from the uh, second half of 2022 uh and and really find out what americans were thinking when it comes to uh how they're spending their travel and food dollar.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well I'm I'm intrigued by how the data the end of year recaps that we always do too and looking back and you know especially from where we were January to where we are now where things are going to be in December it will be you know quite the the chart to to progress there. So just jumping over to airline news as we quickly wrap up what's trending. I want to get your thoughts on this summer's current state of air travel and the chaos that's going on there. Any tips <laughs> of uh, dealing with cancellations and delays as has kind of been the storyline for airlines so far, along with the high prices.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I think everyone's experiencing it. Uh, you know, look, one of the, one of the things that we, we have to remember, I just had two, tr- I, I went in and out of New Jersey Thursday and uh, Monday night and uh, in and out of Newark. And I had problems both ways, both ways were due to weather right now. Uh, we know that just as we endure problems with snowstorms that affect travel across the country, uh the the intense heat wave uh that we are still in, uh all across the the west and the southern half of the United I mean, there's a there's a little pocket right now. It's I, I think just under 80 degrees here in Minnesota. I think we're one of the few places in the country that isn't under heat advisory. Um okay. but you have yeah, thank you. The uh the, the the thunderstorms that popped off Thursday night uh grounded me in Rochester I was delayed four or five hours can't blame anyone for that that's what happens well actually you can blame it's, it's the climate crisis and we need to be addressing it but the the fact of the matter is that summertime means thunderstorms right and I had the same thing leaving Newark yesterday uh then in in addition to all of this you have the issue of uh, bringing out a lot of planes, trying to get as many flights in the air this summer, so that airlines were because they wanted to make up for losses over the last two years. So let's get as many flights out there with as lean uh, a, uh, a an employee uh, count as we can, right? And and that's not just the people that you see, like pilots and flight attendants and and gate agents. Um, it's everyone across. The, the board in those airports, uh, the people on the runways, the folks handling bags, um, and every airline has chimed in after, I, I think it was uh, Ed Bastian, Delta's CEO, who's the first one who came out and said, we missed the mark and we're trying to get more employees online. I think everybody has come in sort of said the same thing. Airports themselves and local airport commissions that hire staff for airports are also uh, in the crunch the TSA is in the crunch uh, I I went to London uh the other week for two days uh to attend the world's uh, 50 best uh awards uh, mm-hmm. that San Pellegrino uh, sponsors every year and uh I got off the plane in London at seven o'clock in the morning uh in Heathrow turned a corner and saw a sea of human beings uh queued up and I mean the, the typical four or five hour line, uh queued up and I was I was stunned. I had never I, I'd seen something like that once before uh, flying into Montreal about seven, eight years ago, uh, because there had been weather delays and a whole bunch of flights arrived all at the same time. Um this was not that case. So yeah, airports are a mess. We have to find ways to speed up uh the airport experience because there's always going to be thunderstorms, but we need to fix all the problems we can. I was I was st- stunned in joyful uh exultation when i saw in the news last night that uh, i i believe it's i'm i think i'm getting this right alaska airlines finally finally is issuing permanent luggage tags to flyers did you see that eric yeah they yeah, uh, the um, thing yeah electronic it, stuff yeah like, which is i mean the technology has been there for years i mean we we, we have those i've had those things on my dog's For 20 years, you know, uh, it is, uh, you know, certain uh, online travel stores and uh, and other online places, gadget places have been selling a private track your own bag, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the RFD tag. I mean, the technology has been there for 20 years. Why it took this long, it will save Airlines money and it will save consumers a ton of airport time and I think that's absolutely vital if you could just proceed to your gate and you could pre-tag your bags uh and you had registered numbers with the airlines that just needed to be quickly checked and verified and obviously the luggage is going through the same TSA screening behind the the scenes but that's in the hour that you're getting to the gate it's I just think it's a fantastic thing. All airlines should be doing this. It is an absolute no brainer. Uh, and, and I think if airlines talked more to travelers, they'd find lots of other places to save because there are things travelers care about and things that they don't care about. And I think airlines are constantly playing a guessing game. And I, it's it's part of catering to the the you know their top five percent of business customer that gives them. 60, 70% of their business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You got to cater to those people and they're, you constant, uh, you frequent flyers, you know, you got to make yeah. sure that they're happy. So they keep returning, especially to their brand loyalty for sure. And yeah, it, air travel needs to get easier. And the hope is that it will, I mean, the FAA chief said that, you know, they're cutting down on delays and cancellations, hope that, you know, that is actually going to happen. And the more people are being hired and all that, we definitely need that. So, Fingers crossed that uh, gets a little better and, you know, summer will be behind us soon and, you know, we get a little easier into fall and hopefully a lot more people have been hired before the mad rush of the holiday time and, and winter travel for sure. Uh,
1: I, I, I would predict, and this is obviously just anecdotal and based on who I'm talking to, that barring some other huge thing and all the economics aside, uh, by September, things are under control and we're not going to have a repeat uh, from Thanksgiving through New Year's of what we've been enduring the last uh you know since Memorial Day and we'll continue through Labor Day. Uh I I believe you're correct. Uh but but I think that there are ongoing changes that need to be made to the system and I think uh reevaluating and reimagining and redesigning what TSA is doing would be a massive massive boom. I think that uh the whole bag checking Uh, thing, witness what Alaska is doing with RFDs would be a huge boon. You know, I have a global entry card, right? So I'm checked out and allows me to speed through certain lines in certain places where I travel. We can develop huge levels of that uh, and some of which would be cost free that would save airline commission, you know, airline commissions, municipalities, the airlines themselves, uh so much hassle uh and i really think we need to take a good long look at this you know the the thing about tsa is that uh, and you know i thank all their members for their service this was an agency and a policy that was uh designed in that post 911 world uh to deal with a certain set of problems and kind of like building an airplane as it's flying um really never had the chance to say okay what are we solving for? And how can we do it better? Uh, because it it just, it, it, it needs to be, we need to get people to, through the gates safely and speedily. And I'm not sure that that's really happening based on the lines I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, not at this point. So work smarter, not harder. That's where they need to progress to. So fingers crossed that things get better there, but yeah. Yeah, that wraps up what has been trending in travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump into the food side of things. So Andrew, just real quick, you know, how do you think uh, what the lasting impact on the pandemic is having on the culinary world? How have things changed over the years? What's what's trending in that space?
1: I could I could spend three hours talking about this. Uh, you know, I, I was a founding member of the Independent Restaurant Coalition. and Obviously, I've spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill in our statehouse here in Minnesota, uh, and I talk about these issues absolutely every single day, and I can tell you that uh, you know restaurants we're we're going to have fewer of them. Uh, if you throw away the the high and the low, it's kind of like the 1970s uh, uh, figure skating or diving uh, judging system. Let's let's throw out the high and the low. So let's 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 just say we're not talking about uh, chains and fast food and let's say we're not talking about fine dining okay the the two extreme ends of our of our uh, restaurant world and i believe that's important for two different reasons the chains have absolutely n- and the and the fast fooders have absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the industry uh and and ditto the fine dining restaurants which cater to the smallest percentage of the population uh th- those are the restaurants of whom uh, tasty menus that range from $300 to $600 uh, a person uh, are the norm. Uh, let's just not even bother talking about that right now, right? So w- what what you have seen over the last generation is artific- artificially depressed prices for what's on the plate in restaurants in America, while they have been increasing uh, the cost of the beverages that you drink, right, is a great example. Um, uh, bottles of wine, gin and tonics, uh, uh, margaritas uh, seem to be inflation proof, uh, probably because of the the effect. People like to drink because of the effect. Um, and uh, people want to have an ice cold beer when they come home, and they rightfully should. And they want to enjoy a drink before dinner, and they rightfully should. Every leading indicator, every experiment I've run in any restaurant, anyone that I've ever talked to Any menu I've ever looked at, specialty cocktail prices keep going up and up and up and bars keep becoming more and more and more crowded. But raise the price on the chicken dish on the menu uh, up a dollar and you will see almost a revolt. Uh, Talk to the servers and the hosts and the the assistant managers and the number of complaints go through the roof. Um, uh, Americans are used to the artificially depressed prices in restaurants as the restaurant economy has gotten more and more brittle moving over the last 25 years, 30 years from you know uh, bringing 15 to 18% to the bottom line to 7 to 8% to the bottom line. So restaurants have no choice. Uh, they need to retain employees. They need to tr- treat those employees fairly and give them not only a living wage, but give them... Uh, you know, uh paid medical leave, uh give them uh health give them all the other things that come with other jobs in America. And I think the 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 only place those restaurants can uh count on making up the dollars is by uh raising their own prices. They are going to have to. Now what that is going to do is going to upset more Apple carts than I could possibly uh, imagine, especially as we're heading into this inflationary time. And again, I believe a, a coming recession that will last, uh, a, at least 24 months. So I, I am, I, I am absolutely scared shitless, uh, about the, the industry that I love above all others. Um, we have taken it upon ourselves uh, as an industry to spend more money caring for those who work within it and rightfully so. Um, And uh, the money has to come from somewhere, just at a a very basic place. It's why I actually believe that uh, if we take care of some of our other problems in America, we can help the uh, restaurant industry. What do I mean by that? Immigration reform helps the restaurant industry. Uh, National health insurance program helps the restaurant industry. Um, National school lunch program where all lunches are free and for kids that need it, they can get uh, breakfast and dinner there as well would help the restaurant industry, uh, because it means that that parents uh, would have to rely a little bit less on their own income. Uh, increasing opportunities uh, for those to enroll in SNAP uh, would help restaurants. And I could keep going on and on, you know, uh, changing health insurance issues in America and incentivizing people to be eating more uh, fruits and vegetables and cutting meat out of their diet uh, would be beneficial to the restaurant industry. We spend a trillion and a half dollars a year fighting the big four um, food-related diseases. And these add on to all of our costs, whether you're dying in restaurants or not you are paying for it. Um, And why is it important to do all that for the restaurant industry? What is it that makes the restaurant industry special? Well, what makes the restaurant industry special is it is the place that our culture lives. It's where your parents got engaged, it's where you celebrated your last birthday, it's where you went for lunch with a colleague when... They you, you, you wanted to treat her because you just found out she was pregnant. I mean, it is, it is where our lives happen in kitchen, in kitchens and in restaurants. But maybe even more importantly for this conversation, restaurants employ the most special group of workers in America. First-time job seekers, last-time job seekers, single moms and dads are the number number one employer of them is restaurant industry. The, the only, you know, number one employer for new immigrants, uh, the, the number one employer for returning citizens, those coming from jails and institutions. It is vital that we do that because if we add people onto the unemployment line as restaurants close, and we will, because those people, those special populations will not find a job at the stock brokerage house, right? And we know that automation is affecting manufacturing. So there are not jobs available for those people. It is It is crucial. And this is not a small number. The only industry in, the, in America that employs more people than the restaurant industry is the United States government, and that's because they have the Defense Department folded in there. Independent restaurants alone represent over 5% of GDP. When you include the whole food chain, it gets up near 20% of GDP. We have to do more to support restaurants. And uh, and that means, yes, uh, we have to encourage people to, to dine out. I would encourage people to vote with their dollars uh, and spend money at restaurants that have Uh, service charges and wellness charges instead of a tips program, support small family-owned restaurants, same way I want to support small family-owned farms, I think is of vital importance that we take care of our restaurant industry uh, because they are in dire straits. And I I am uh, fearful of what the next uh, six months will bring as these inflation numbers start to really take hold. It means smaller Christmas parties. It means fewer meals out. Uh, per week, and that goes from i the local sandwich place, the local, you know, uh, red sauce joint, the, your your favorite local takeout spot, and the corner bistro where you you know you take your kid for a burger uh, every other week. It is it is going to be uh, a very unpleasant fall and winter. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I mean, food connects us all, you know. And we, everyone listening to the show right now obviously loves to travel. But one thing, whether you like wellness, whether you like adventure, whether you just want to sit on the beach the whole time. We're all eating, you know, and
1: uh, you. Oh, it's all oh.
0: Everybody listening right now, we've got to go to a restaurant tonight for sure.
1: And and whenever you. listen, Everyone loves food. Absolutely, and you travel to do it. You know, I mean, you know, some people eat to travel, others travel to eat. But anyone who travels, uh, the first thing that they ask themselves is where where are we going to eat? Right. You know. Now the the answer may be if you're if you're on a budget and you're going to Florence and Rome, uh, for a week with you know three or four nights in each city. Uh, you're just wandering around and falling into small neighborhood trotterias because the food there is amazing and you don't have to do that much planning uh but you're still eating with intention and we do it we do it here in our own backyards we do it when we travel overseas and you know the the the, the dollar strength relative to other currencies is going to be an issue whether or not you get overseas is going to be uh, an issue. Um, And I would encourage people, I would encourage people to to find ways in which to continue to travel uh, because I believe that's how we learn. We we take risks, we change when we travel, we do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do, we learn. Uh, We do all these things that as a culture we're pretty lousy at when we're at home. But when we travel, we change and we export some of that back into our lives uh, in, in very profound ways uh, travel is transformative. And so I would encourage people um, to, you know, maybe skip a year of buying sweaters and, you know, see if you can save some shekels another way, uh, but definitively try to travel uh, because I really think that's how we advance our own culture.
0: Absolutely, it's good for the soul and it's good for your mental health as well. So use those vacation days. And you know, you mentioned Italy. I've got a friend over there who's on their honeymoon right now, and I'm jealous of all their food picks. So, but you know, <laughs> everyone knows Italy and phenomenal food there. But what about some other destinations that have maybe emerged as like must-visit places for the food and the foodies out there, both U.S. or internationally? As we wind up here.
1: Well, I you know, I mean, look, there are small cities all around the country that have uh, now have deliver uh, food quality as good as the big 5 food cities in in America. They just don't have the depth, right? In terms of the number of total restaurants. But, you know, small cities like, you know, uh people know about Portland, Maine. They don't know as much about Birmingham, Alabama, right? They've they've heard a lot about uh Portland, Oregon, uh and maybe less about uh Austin, Texas, right? So there are phenomenal food cities all around this country, uh big and small. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh is is a fine example of a restaurant of a a restaurant town that is now a legitimate national player. Uh, But for decades, no one would say, oh, go to Pittsburgh to eat. Pittsburgh's got a food scene that is is remarkable. Same thing for the Twin Cities here of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, uh, You know, my local market, which rivals the food uh, in any city in America. Um, and, and then, of course, obviously, you know, New York and Los Angeles, and and you know, Houston and and Miami, uh, Chicago, uh, the really big players are are of course are, have have it on depth and breadth. Um, there there are food cities all around us that are incredible and phenomenal travel deals there as well, and that is our neighbors to the south, most notably Mexico, a, a place I try to go several times every year. Um, you know, it's not just Mexico City, Guadalajara, Oaxaca, uh, you know, are two of the most incredible food towns. Ensenada, uh, some of those incredible food towns uh, in the world. Uh, you know, Guadalajara is never talked about, but it's Mexico's youngest city because of all of the uh, universities that are there and in recent years has become its tastiest when you turn your attention to Europe, I I look at I, I look to the east and to the north. The best deals on traveling these days uh, are to the 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 roads less traveled. Um, and go to the Netherlands, go to Belgium, which are are growing by reputation for food faster than any other two countries, uh, in Europe. Uh, the food in Holland and especially in Amsterdam is on par with anything that the rest of Europe has to offer. Um. With less crowds and uh, better deals, um, over to the east. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Croatia geek, right? I mean, Croatia on the coast is Italy at half the price. Uh, but as you get into the country itself, it, it gets even more interesting and more fantastic. Um, you know, countries like you know Hungary and and the Balkan countries, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, phenomenal food. Poland, I was there just pre pandemic. The food is amazing in Poland. People think they understand it. Uh it's not just, you know, pierogies and uh and and cabbage-laden dishes uh that uh require a stevedore's muscles to move. That's a cliché that's just simply not true. The food is exquisite over there. The markets are robust. The people are fantastic. Uh the the the, the history is immense and I would encourage people to go over there and obviously uh you know south america it it, it takes a, a lot of miles to get there so naturally it's more expensive but you know from from santiago uh chile to uh you know uh, the, the rio in brazil um south america offers some of the best eating uh on the planet uh and at very low p- price points when it comes to asia uh obviously that's a very expensive uh trip for americans to take because of the the air travel that's involved but once you're there you can live like a king and not spend a lot of money and i don't mean that in a in a coarse uh you know ethnocentric way i mean that in the in the best way possible the food from top to bottom there's not a lot of difference there's there's not a lot of fine dining in fact some countries uh have Almost none of it, uh, where you might find one or two restaurants uh, in all of Cambodia that would fall into that category. The food is absolutely spe- spectacular. And it is countries like uh, Cambodia that I, I I tell people, you know, this is this is the time to go to uh, Siem Reap and see the sites at the big temples that are around there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of phenomenal food out there in the world. Asia, especially, a lot of bang for your buck there, too. A lot of people need to realize that, too. If you haven't ever been to Asia, but you love food and you call yourself a foodie, put Asia on your radar, too. And I'm really glad that you said Mexico and other places beyond, you know, the beach towns. Get get more into the body, you know, the center of Mexico and explore around there because there's a lot of great food seen as well, too. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. Have a good one. Hi, you, too. That was the Andrew Zimmern. Big thanks to him again for joining us on the show. Be sure to check out his website, andrewzimmern.com. You can follow him on social and Instagram at ChefAZ over on Twitter with Andrew Zimmern. So you can also subscribe to his newsletter on Substack. It comes out five days a week and is packed with great info and insights just like Andrew provided on the show today. And you can catch him on TV and streaming with Family Dinner on the Magnolia Network, Wild Game Kitchen on the Outdoor Channel, And also on Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend on Netflix, where he's a judge judging the top food on the show. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty hungry right now. That's all the time we have for this week. I am traveling to the global travel marketplace coming up this week. So if you're going to be there, drop me a line. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. You can reach out to me, podcast at travelpulse.com. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening, folks.
1: Have a great week.